Hello and welcome again to the Science of the Covenant podcast. So, as we build on this series again, in regards to what is the covenant and who does it applies to, the answers to these questions and more as we study the biblical covenant that Yahuwah has cut with his people. So, do you have your Bible ready, your pen and pad, your computer, tablet, phone, to take notes, let's begin our study, and I'll turn it over to our pastor. All right, thank you very much. What we want to do is to be able to continue with our covenant understanding. Uh, the last uh, discourse that we had, we were looking at what is a covenant. Uh, we had a few meanings for it, uh, a covenant. And it dealt with being two or more people in agreement on something uh, or a league of people uh, getting together on some particular uh, stipulations. And what we want to do is kind of build on that. Now, today, what we want to look at is uh, how the covenant is uh, associated with creation. So... Let us consider the fact that in order to form, fashion, or prepare, and make or produce the things which were done by our Creator, let us ask ourselves the question, who could do such thing? Who could bring about such a creation as, as, as we have today? Wouldn't you think whoever he was or whoever they were, they would have to be exceptional, exceptionally powerful and exceedingly brilliant. Now, wouldn't it be, would it be by coincidence or by design that the very word used to define the work of the ones who created the heavens and the earth is a word which describes such a person? So what, what, word is this? It is the word bara, which we translate in the English as create. So what we'll be looking at is, is that this word bara in creation, and what we are trying to do is connect the creation uh, with the covenant. So what we want to do at this juxtaposition are two things. The first, what we want to do is to show how the word bara relates to Elohim. And then the second thing we like to look at is uh, how it relates to the covenant. Now, we won't be able to cover uh, both of these scenarios uh, this evening, but the one that we want to start with is how the word bara is associated with Elohim. And then in the future lecture, we want to see how uh, Bara associates with the covenant. So let us focus on how Bara uh, so is associated with Elohim. So our first text this evening is found in the book of Genesis. And we want to look at Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1. And Genesis is also referred to as uh, better sheath. And Baruch Sheath and Genesis 
are basically one and the same word, except that Genesis is our English term, whereas Bereshith is the Hebrew, and the word Bereshith is found in the in the Torah. And so what we want to do is look in the Torah, look in uh, Bereshith or Genesis. I want to look at chapter 1. I want to look at verse 1. Okay, we're going to kind of stick right with that, that, that first chapter in verse number 1. Now here it reads, it says, In the beginning Elohim created the heaven and the earth. Okay, in this verse we read that Elohim being El, the father, and El, his son, were the creators of this world and also the heavens. Now, this our world was brought forth by them. Scripture says, the scripture says that they created this world. And as we observe the word create, which is translated from the word bara, we want to notice two basic things uh, about it as it aligns itself with Elohim. We will refer to these two basic things respectively as the powers of creation and the power of the creators. Okay. So those are the two things we want to concentrate on in this particular segment of our studies. Uh, this evening, we want to concentrate on number one, the powers of creation and then the power of the creators. Let us now start with the powers of creation. Now, when we deal with the powers of cre creation, when we speak in terms of powers of creation, we are referring to both the power itself and from whom does this power come from. Now, basically, we will probably be in this part of the discourse, we'll probably be dealing with the power in the creation itself, and then we'll move, if we have time, to the power uh, and where this power comes from. Now, all of the power to create this world came from the Father and His Son. They are the generators of such power. They and themselves alone possess all power needed to create both heaven and earth. There is no other power other than their power to bring about the arrangement and the order of our world than this power. This power both originated and resonated in they themselves, and they neither borrowed it from any other source other than they themselves, nor did they have to go to some place where it was stored up to obtain it. No, it was in themselves that this power was. So what we are looking at is that as we deal with the power of, of, of creation, is that the, the, the power resided in Elohim, and we want to be able to look at this power from the standpoint of the word bara. 
Now let us see how this innate power that existed in them aligned itself with the word bara. First, what we'll do is to show what each letter in the word bara stands for. And second, we will look at all the letters together and come up with some word pictures to actually see what is going on with this word. We'll refer to these two aspects respectively as the letters of creation and the word of creation. Let us get started with the, with the, uh, with the letters of creation. Okay. We want to look at the letters of creation. So now when you look up the meaning of the word bara, the meaning means to prepare, organize, or to shape or to fashion something. That's what the word bara means in the Hebrew. And I know that there are many who believe that when it says that Elohim created the heaven and the earth, that he created something out of nothing. But this is not what the Hebrew word means. It does not carry that meaning at all. That's a meaning that has traditionally been given to the word bara, is that when he brought forth creation, he brought something out of nothing. This word does not teach that. This word more or less teaches that he fashions, he prepares, and he organized things in such a way that he got the results of what he wanted to create. So now what we want to do is to break down this word uh, bara. Okay. Now, as I said, we want to look at the letters of creation. And when we talk about the letters of creation, the word create comes from bara. And so we are basically saying we want to look at the letters that make up the word bara. Now, we must understand when you get into Hebrew, a lot of the words in Hebrew, they are packed with meaning. They have so much meaning. And sometimes you just can't glimpse over it real fast and just speed read it. You have to get into it. Okay. So when we concern ourselves with the letters of the word bara, we'll be exploring three letters of the Hebrew alphabet. And they are namely, uh, we'll have what you call the, the, uh, the Beth, which would correspond to our B. And the next letter is the, re the Resh, which was correspond with our Ara. And the last letter in Bara is Aleph, which corresponds to our A. Okay. So in other words, when we look at a Hebrew word, Hebrew words, uh, originally when they were formed, they were formed from letters. Okay. They were formed from letters and these letters, the individual letters had, had meaning. Moreover, even in the letters, are also the numbers. They have numbers also. They have numerical values. And there are 22 characters of the Hebrew alphabet. So what we'll be doing is dealing with the letters here. Now, in dealing with the Hebrew alphabet, which contains 22 letters of which the word bara is made up of, three of them respectively, the Beth, the Resh, or the Elif, or the B, the Ara, and the A correspondingly, correspondingly with our particular English. It is these three letters which makes up 
our word bara. Another thing we must understand about Hebrew is that each letter of the 22 characters has what we call a pictograph, a pictograph, that's P-I-C-T-O-G-R-A-P-H, pictograph. A A pictograph was a picture. A pictograph is what we would refer to as a picture form of writing, very much like hieroglyphics in ancient Egypt. When we go down to ancient Egypt, we find that they had picture writing. And this was somewhat when the early Hebrew was being formulated, that each letter had a picture to go along with it. And so it would be no exception for these three letters that to make up Bara, they also had pictures to go with them. Let us now look at each of the letters in the Hebrew word, Bara, in order in which they appear in the word. So when you look up the word bara, it's it is spelled B R A. Okay. Now Hebrew basically doesn't have any vowels, but the vowels are understood for those who speak it. But for Hebrew language written, the written Hebrew was without any vowels, even though later on they developed what they call vowel points. But it didn't have any, 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 any vowels. They just had the consonants. So let us kind of get into that, okay? So when we look at the Hebrew, while Hebrew is written from right to left, yet for English, which is written from the left to the right, we'll use this order since we are writing in English. At this juncture, the order is not what we are emphasizing, but rather the picture and the meaning of the letters. Okay. So when they had a picture of a letter, that, that, that picture also had a meaning to go with it. So we'll basically be dealing with two things. We'll be dealing with the picture and also the meaning of that picture. Moreover, we'll also use the English equivalent rather than the Hebrew characters to demonstrate their significance. Now, according to the Hebrew, our B comes from a tent, okay? And the Ara comes from a man's head, and the A comes from an ox head. Okay, so what we're looking at, as I stated, in Hebrew, the B is what you call a Beth, and that comes from an image of a tent, okay? That's where a tent comes from. So when they had the letter B, they got it from a tent. When they saw a tent, they said tent is the letter B. And when they got a resh or an aura, the aura comes from the emblem or the image of a man's head. And the elif, which is our A, comes from an ox head. So here we have it. We have a tent, a man's head, and an ox head. Okay. So we got a tent, a man's head, and an ox head, which makes up the word bara, which means to create in English. So thus far, we have three pictographs 
What we will like to do at this juncture is to draw some further meaning to these particular types of, of, of emblems that we have. We want to draw some meaning. So, so, so what do we have? We have the letter, we have the letter B that represents a tent. And what does the tent mean? According to Hebrew, when you had the picture of a tent, you not only had a Hebrew letter, but a tent means a family, it meant a house, or in some instances, it means in, just like you are in something. And this is how they form many Hebrew words. Matter of fact, when you look at the word Bereshith, and Bereshith means uh, generations or the beginning. So when you look at the word Bereshith, they have the B there in order to let you know that it's in the beginning. Because when you read Genesis 1, 1, Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1, it says in the beginning. But in Hebrew, you would have Bereshith, which means that B, what means in, and Reshith means beginning. So when you put the B and, and with the Rashith, you have Bereshith, and Bereshith means in the beginning. So when we look at the B, it can form the preposition before a word, to let you know it's talking about in something, but it also means a house and a family. And when we get to the race, which is an aura, it's the head of a man. So what does the head of a man mean in Hebrew? A head of a man means, it means the first, it could mean the top, it can also mean the beginning, and it, uh, it could also carry the meaning of a chief, a chief, that's what the aura said. And then we get to the Aleph, which is, which is pronounced as an A. And, uh, and, and that came from the ox head. When you look at the original Hebrew, actually the letters was written in such a way that it, it was drawn like an ox head. But through the evolution of these letters, they changed into different forms. But originally, the ox head was written in a symbol. And an ox head meant, it, it could mean a leader, it could mean power, it could mean strong or strength, and also an ox head could also uh, mean a crown. So when we look at these particular uh, letters and their pictograph, they have meanings, and we want to be able to decipher those meanings. Now that we know both the pictograph and the meanings of these letters, let us creatively put uh, together some definitions for the word bara. Okay. However, before we engage into constructing these letters into meaningful definitions, let us first make some more observations about the Aleph, which is the A. Okay. Now, when we deal with the word God in English, it is translated from a number of Hebraic words for it. Let us look at a number of the uh, of Hebrew words which have the letter Aleph in them, which are referring to what we call 
God in our language. Okay. Now, uh, as I said, in Hebrew, you have at least two letters in Hebrew that are silent. And this silence uh, letters takes on the vowel that is, that is, that, that, uh, that 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 they up that is applied to it. In other words, when you look at the elif, even though it's a silent letter, sometimes it may have an a sound, and sometimes it may have an e sound. But in modern Hebrew, what they do, they have a vowel pointing, and that vowel pointing, will, when you see those vowel points, it will let you know whether it is a a or a e. Okay, so what we want to look at look at at this juncture is that when we look at the Elif for the name of Elohim, of which we call God, now we have the word El, is E-L, okay? But remember, even though you're saying E-L, the Elif is taken on that sound, but mainly Elif is a consonant that is silent, but it takes on the sound of the vowel that you give to it. And they knew that when they said L with the E sound, that they were talking about uh, the singular. They were talking about God singular, okay? And God singular meant the mighty one, the mighty one, okay? And then they have another word for God, which is in the singular. They call it Elah. Okay, that's E-L-A-H. Now, the first one we just dealt with was L-E-L, the mighty one. Now they have a, a, a word, and they call it Elah. E-L-A-H, that means God or an object of worship. That's what Elah means. Okay, and then you have another word for God, which was Elohim. Now, Elohim, with the I-M, makes it plural. So you have Elohim, and then you have the meaning of that, which would mean gods or God. And it could also mean gods, objects of worship. And then you have another word for God, which is Eloah, Eloah. Okay, now Eloah means God or an object of worship. Now, thus far, we can see that all of these words of which we translate as God, comes from the Hebrew words for God, and they all start with an A or with an Aleph, okay? They all start with an Aleph. So what is prominent about these Hebraic words we translate about God is that they start off with an Aleph, and in understanding this, we recognize this letter, Aleph, more than this, this word, uh, this letter represents more than an ox head. So even though it represents an ox head, it has a meaning that goes beyond an, an ox head because when we see that all of the words that we just enumerated and looked at, they all start with an elif, and an elif is represented by an ox head. So we can say that the Elif is representative of God, or El. No doubt this is why both Isaiah and John could say these two prophets respectively spoke 
about Elohim being the first and the last. It says, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. And even though both prophets speaks about the first and the last and the beginning and the ending, yet John also includes the Alpha and the Omega. And when we read in Revelations 1.8, it talks about the Alpha and the Omega. Now, we must understand that the Alpha and the Omega was coming from the Greek alphabet. Now, in the Hebrew alphabet, you have the Alpha, the Aleph and the Tav. The Aleph is the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet, and the Tav is the last letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And then when you get to the Greek alphabet, I believe it was 26 letters, they had the, the Aleph and the Omega. The, the Alpha was the first letter, and the Omega was the last letter of the Greek alphabet. But what we see here, most likely, if Yeshua revealed this to John, it would most likely have been in the Hebrew rather than the Greek, of which we would get the letters Alpha, of which we uh, would not get the letters Alpha and Omega. We would have got the letters uh, Aleph and Tav, which was the Hebrew. But in the Greek the alphabet, the Alpha is the first letter of the Greek alphabet, and omega is the last uh, of it. And I believe I said 26, but I think the Greek has 24 letters. Okay. Now, no doubt, if this was written in the English Bible uh, as alpha uh, in the English Bible, it would not have said. Aleph or Tav from the Hebrew, neither would it have said uh, Alpha and Omega in the Greek, but it would have said, I am the A and the Z, because our first letter is A and our last letter is Z. So the point that we're trying to emphasize is, is basically is that the Aleph originally came from an ox head, and they used that letter to represent Elohim, who was a strong uh, person, a strong leader, and this emblem not only represented uh, his strength, but it, 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 it represented his ability, okay? So the point that I'm emphasizing is that for Elohim to reveal to Moses that the spelling of who he is would start with the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet is very suggested that the Aleph would represent he himself. So not only do we have the Aleph representing an ox head, but also it represents Elohim. With this knowledge of what the Aleph represents, we can incorporate it into our definition as to what the three letters of Barah together mean. And formulating the various meanings for the word bara, we'll do it at least two ways, respectively. First, we'll do it by the pictograph letters. And secondly, we'll do it by the pictograph letter meanings. Moreover, when we formulate the word, 
and meanings, there are a plethora of meanings we can uh, come up with. However, we'll only do a few of them, keeping in mind that there are other ways to do it as well. Furthermore, when we formulate the meanings of the letters into words, we will not, in every instance, go by the order of the letters by which they appear in the word, but we'll juggle them around. So that means that we'll look at Barah, exactly how it is spelled, and get a meaning, and then we'll juggle the letters around and see uh, what means we also come up with, okay? So the pictograph letter word symbols uh, we'll have, and then we'll have the pictograph letters and their meanings, which would be their interpretations. Okay. Okay. Now let's, let's, let's look, let's, let's count on by way of review. We have the B, the R and the A. Okay. So the interpretation of the B is a tent. The interpretation of the R is a head of a man and the interpretation of the Aleph or the A is an ox head. So the pictograph letter interpretation would be the tent head man is an ox head. Okay. That would be the literal thing. The tent head man is an ox head. So we got all of the interpretations in and that's what we get. But the pictograph letter meanings. Now this is what it would mean. If we had the tent head man is an ox head. If we, give us a meaning, we would say the house chief is a leader. The house chief is a leader because remembering that the, the house represent it, it is explaining the tent and the chief is explaining the head and the elif, uh, oh, the ox head is explaining, uh, is it, is it is it the oxide it's explaining the the power okay or the power is ex explained from the ox head so what we're looking at is the house chief is a leader and then another way we can look at it is that a, a, a tent is represented by a family and uh and the uh and the uh the man's head represents the first and an ox head represents uh, something that is powerful. So when we put a definition, what we would have is the family's first is powerful. Okay. And then another way we can look at this is when you deal with the B, as we were discussing earlier, the B can also be used for in. Okay. And the aura can also means a beginning and the ox head can mean power. So if we put all of those meanings together, we will say in the beginning is power in the beginning is power. So thus far we have done, what we have done is merely to have taken the Hebrew letters in their logical sequence as they appear in the word itself. Now let us proceed by juggling some of the words, some of the letters around and see what we come up with. We'll do the following letters, words, arrangements. We'll do one, we'll put the B first, and then we'll put the A, and then the Aura. 
and then we'll turn it around and we'll do the R, the B, and the A. And then we'll do an A, a B, and an R, and we'll try to conclude with the A, the R, and a B. And we, what we'll, and, and as we follow these particular arrangements, what we'll notice is that they all yield rather the same meaning in just a different letter arrangement. Let us now look at these arrangements. So no matter how you twist these letters around, they both they 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 they, they will still have basically the same meaning. Okay. Now let's look at the letter arrangements. All right. We have the B the A and the R arrangement, which would be the tent, the ox head, and the head of a man. The meaning of this arrangement would be the family, the leader is the chief. The family leader is the chief, okay? Now, what we're looking at is the word family would come from tent, which would be B. The leader is coming from Elif, which would be the ox head, and the, and the chief, which would be coming from the race, which would be a man's head. But notice the meaning. It says, the family leader is the chief. Okay, let us stay with that same arrangement again. It says, the house strength is the chief. And then another arrangement would be, in a king is the first. Okay. In a king is the first. Okay. All right, let's go to another arrangement. This arrangement is we're going to put the R first and then the B and A. And in this arrangement, which would be the head of a man, the tent, and the head of an ox. Okay, so we, we kind of change around there. So the meaning of this arrangement would be the you got the R, the B, and the A, which would be the top of the family is the leader. The top of the family is the leader. Okay. And then you have another arrangement on the same order, the R, the B, and the A. You got the chief in the family is the strength. The chief in the family is the strength. And then you have another arrangement. Uh, you got the R, the B, and the A. The beginning of the house is the leader, okay? See, all of those uh, fit in with what we call the, uh, the man's head, and then we have the, uh, ha have the tent, and we have the ox head. All of that fits it with, within that word, okay? Okay, let's look at another arrangement. We're going to look at the A- B R arrangement, the A B R. Okay. Uh, okay. And the A B R arrangement, which would be the head of an ox, the tent, and the head of a man. And the meanings of this arrangement would be the leader of the family is the chief. And then another arrangement would be the crown or the king is in the top. The king is in the top. Another arrangement of that same range would be the strong, or we would say the strength of the family is the first, or we could say the strength of the family is the chief. Okay. Now let us go to, uh, I believe our last arrangement. 
uh, our last arrangement would would be A R B. The A R B arrangement, which would be the ox head first, and then the head of a man second, and the tent last. And the meanings of this arrangement would be the the leader is the top of the family. The crown or the king is the chief of the family, or we could say the power of the beginning of the family, okay? Now that we have looked at these particular uh, scenarios, then, uh, let me see. I tell you what, we'll, we'll, we'll just do this part and maybe uh, we'll just stop here. Let me see. And we can proceed with the other basic, uh, when we deal with the source of where the power comes from, from this word barah, we can deal with that next week. Okay. So let us stop there because we, we have looked at the three letters and their arrangement and what they mean. And we're going to show, we, we are showing how that relates to the power that created the heavens and the earth. And then next week we'll look at the power of the creators in this same word, in the same word. So we'll stop here uh, this evening and we'll uh, entertain some questions, observations, or some clarifications as to what has been presented thus far as we have looked at the three letters, the B, the R, and the A, and what they, what they symbols are and what their meanings were. Now, the, uh, when you say Hebrew, mm -hmm. we know some of that uh, modern Hebrew has changed. So does the modern Hebrew symbol still represents the ox head in a way? Because uh, when you describe the ox head, isn't that uh, ancient Hebrew? Yeah, uh, one of your oldest forms of Hebrew is, is your Paleo-Hebrew. That's one of the oldest forms. And uh, even earlier, uh, even earlier Hebrew, uh, they actually had uh, an uh, ox, they had sort of like a circle with horns on it that actually kind of represented more of an ox head. But then when you uh, continue on with middle, what they call middle Hebrew, you have what you call the uh, Paleo Hebrew, which they call middle Hebrew. Mm -hmm. And it is slightly different, but when you look at it, you can still see the horns on, 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 the, uh, on the ox. You can still see the horns. But then when you get to later Hebrew, then it begins to change the formation somewhat. But if you have a knowledge of the Paleo and the earlier Hebrew, you can still see somewhat of the horns. But it's kind of uh, been what I may say modernized, because what we call modern Hebrew today uh, is totally different from ancient Hebrew. So those letters would not reflect in shape of an ox head like they did originally when they first got started. Yeah, I think we, this is maybe a study too. Uh, I would think we may want to revisit and do a video on 
uh, so people can kind of visually understand because some people may be listening who may not uh, have uh, understand the paleo Hebrew uh, symbols. Also for the listeners, if I will be putting a URL or link in the description where you can look at a view of the ancient Hebrew, middle Hebrew and late Hebrew to kind of understand a little bit more of some of the things that were discussed when you discuss with Barah, you know, so, yeah. Um, and you said Barah. B-A-R-A, right, in English. Uh, means mm-hmm. to uh, create. Uh, actually, when you look up the word all together, uh, rather than individual letter, it means, it means create in English, but mm-hmm. English get its word from bara, mm-hmm. and it means to prepare, it means to organize or to arrange something. Okay. Just like I was pointing out that traditionally when people hear the word create, what automatically comes into their mind for some reason, they think it means that he created something out of nothing, which is not what that word means mm-hmm. that was not that 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 meaning is not in that word the original word for bara which we translate create means to arrange or to organize okay and so you was so with bara and how you was bringing out uh the different letters mm-hmm. uh basically saying that the b which represents the tent. Yeah, to be the tent. Mm-hmm. And the A is the ox. No, the, yeah, that's the ox, the ox, right. And the Ara is the uh, supposed to be the face of a man. man. A man's head. Man's head. See, the, the, the Aleph, or, which is the ox, uh-huh. is represented by an ox head. And then you take the Ara, it's represented by a man's head, and the B represented by a tent. See, I want you to see see all three of those pictures. And if you can see those pictures, whether you have a knowledge of Hebrew or not, if you can see a picture of a tent and a man's head and an ox head, that, that's, that's, that's what you need to see, even though you don't understand it. But that's where they got the letters from. And from the letters, it gives us the meaning of each one of those letters. And is there uh, any significance into the man's head and the ox head? Yes, that's what I was trying uh, to give the meaning of the man's head and the oxy and all that. All right. Yes, they 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 have a meaning, and the meanings uh, were uh, was that. Well, let's take the B. Mm-hmm. Now, when when they when the Hebrews saw a tent, what what did the tent mean? Okay, that's the pictogram. So if you saw a tent, then what would come to your mind is that. Usually it is people who stays in the tent, okay? Uh-huh. And the people who stay in the tent, that was no doubt the family. So the tent represents the family. And where was the family? The family was on the inside of the tent. That's why when you have the word, that's why when you have a B in Hebrew, it can also represent the preposition in because the family was in the tent. So they had that B there to represent the preposition in. This is why they say in the beginning, they let you know that, that is something in, okay? And then when you look at the tent, it also represents uh, a house, okay? 
Now, you know that a house is not only just a place we stay, but a house is also a family. A house is also an individual, just like you might have the house of David, the house of Solomon. So Elohim has his house too, which we call the house of God, okay? Mm -hmm. So when you look at the tent, you have to keep in mind, it's talking about the family, it's talking about the house, either the place that you stay or the family that you have. Just like if you had a house of David, David would be a house, but if he had children, a wife, and other individuals, they would make up his family, so you would call it the house of David. He was a house, but also the extension of his family was also his house, okay? Okay. And then when you take the head of a man, okay, that was the picture, okay? When you saw the head of a man, then what, is, what does the head of a man mean? In Hebrew, even if you didn't have a knowledge of it, when you saw the head of a man, you looked at that picture, you said, well, the head of a man is first, because when you look at the body of a person, the head is first, isn't it? Okay. I think even in the womb, the head is pretty large. Okay. So when you look at the head of man, it means first, it means the top, it means the beginning, and it also means the chief. So when they looked at the head of a man, they weren't just looking at the head of man, they were looking at the chief, they were looking at the beginning, they were looking at the top. And the ox head, what is the ox head? With the ox head, uh, you're looking at a leader, and not only are you looking at a leader, but the reason why they chose the ox, because the ox was a strong beast. So when they saw an ox, and they put an ox head for the symbol of the elephant, they were saying this is a leader, but not only is a leader, he, he has power. And not only does he have power, but he has strength, he is strong, and also it represents the crown, because when you looked at a king who wore a crown, he was a strong king. They look at, look at kings as they are strong and they are powerful, okay? So each one of these pictures that represent the letters, that is their meaning. The tent means a family, a house, or inn. A head of a man means first, the top, the beginning, or the chief. And an ox head means a leader, power, strong, or strength, and a crown, and I think that's an excellent note for us to end our podcast this week. Can you uh, take us to the throne in prayer? Okay. Elevant Father, as we study the covenant, we want to see how in the very creation itself, oh, Heavenly Father, how the covenant is related to the creation in which you have given of the heaven and the earth. Thank you for another time to be able to discuss your word. And as we continue, we ask that the angels may lead us in the power of the Holy Spirit may guide us that as we look at these things, we can be able to understand them in depth and to be able to apply the principles to our hearts that we may be the children that you would have us to be. And who are those children? We want to be children of the covenant because we know, O oh, Heavenly Father, that if we are children of the covenant, then we are in your house and you have the power, O oh, Heavenly Father, in your house to be able to guide us right in the things, Lord, that you would have us to do. So as we study the covenant, and some of the deeper meanings, we ask that the power of the Holy Spirit may reveal to our minds the things that we need to know, that we may be covenant keepers, not just by the word and just something that we do, but give us the understanding of what we are doing and why we are doing it, that it may have more meaning for, meaning for our life. And with that meaning, O oh, Heavenly Father, it can help us to grow in the grace that you have given us through your Son who died on the cross, that the very covenant, O oh, Heavenly Father, that you have given us embraces the cross to be able to let us know 
that if we embrace the covenant, that we can re get redemption through the blood of your son, Yeshua. So bless us and bless each person who is listening, that you would give them the wisdom and the understanding, O Heavenly Father, to apply these things to one's life, that they may be the better for you, that when Yeshua does come, he could find covenant-keeping people, and he could pronounce upon each one of us, well done. These blessings we ask in the name of Yeshua the Messiah, and for his dear sake we do pray, amen, amen. and amen. Well, that is our podcast for this week. We want to encourage you to return to keeping a covenant which Yahuwah has cut with us and to follow our podcast weekly. Feel free to email us at scienceofthecovenant at gmail.com with your questions and comments. And as it states in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, study to show thyself approved unto Elohim, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Until next week, Shalom.